Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. I apologize. It's not able to, to get our Thursday edition out, so we'll be uh, jumping into uh, the book of Job today, uh, Job chapters 1 through 5, uh, for our Tuesday edition. Hope that you had a good weekend. And, uh, and let's get into the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is actually part of kind of the wisdom literature. You know, we've, we've read some from Proverbs, um, and, and this is widely considered, uh, you know, one of the, uh, uh, the premier story, if you will, in the Bible that teaches about uh, wisdom. And, and one of the kind of the themes of secular wisdom was that if you did what was right, then you would be rewarded, right? If you did what was wrong, then you would be punished. And the book of Job kind of refutes that. Um, and and I think what what you'll hear as we go through this, you know, we we've got to be careful. You've probably heard of the health and wealth style of gospel or something like that. That oh, if you just uh, you know do what you're supposed to do, God will bless you. And sometimes we take that as, well, that means he's going to, you know, give me the bank account that I want, or he's going to give me the stuff that I want. Um, Usually that's more talking about the blessings of God, like love and joy and peace and hope and comfort, you know, kind of those types of blessings. Um, But there is something that, that God does bless us. Um, But it, just because we're not being blessed, doesn't mean that we're outside of God's will. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting, and that's what we're going to look at here in uh, the book of Job, um, and it really teaches us a lot about this. We, you know, we don't know a whole lot about exactly where this happens or where Job, we know he's from you know, the, the land of, of, of us. Um, we we he- hear that, we know that that's a real place, there's really no indication of when this is. Most people have put it kind of in the time of Abraham. Um, I, I, I would be careful try, kind of trying to nail that down. Um, the point of the story is much more important. What it is teaching, uh, teaching us about how God works in the world, um, about um, a, having a good worldview and a, a worldview of of wisdom. Um, that's one of the main things that come from the book of Job. Um, you know, as we uh, read through it, you'll you'll see, you know, kind of some uh, traditional thought that Job's friends present to him as they come to comfort him. Um, and and Job is struggling. This is this is clear. Job struggles with this, but it does eventually. He gets a chance to have an audience with God. Um, so let's let's jump right in to uh, Job, uh, starting in chapter one. Uh, we have uh, Job. He is a, a wealthy uh, man. He he owns lots of uh, uh, livestock. Uh, he has seven sons, three daughters. Um, you know, it starts going down. Seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen. Right. So so he is uh, you know a a very uh, wealthy, respected. Man, it says, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify him. He would rise early in the morning, offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So what he's talking about there is he was very aware of the the reality that 
you could have sin and unconfessed sin and 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 Job kind of had this thought that man I, I want to make sure that I have confessed everything to God because I want God's blessing, not God's curse. Right? And so so Job is is a very morally upright person and he goes and he uh, offers sacrifices to make sure that he is covered um and and so that's that's who job is um and then we have this kind of interesting interaction between satan and to between god and uh, uh the sons of god are uh, gathered with with god kind of get the feeling they're kind of having a, a meeting together right and and satan is there and he comes in and says where have you been well i've been wandering through the through the world and so the lord says to satan have you considered my servant job and there is none like him on earth a blameless and upright man who fears god and shuns evil satan answers does job fear god for nothing have you not made a hedge around him around his household around uh, on every side you have blessed the work of his hands the possessions have increased the land but now you stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face and so the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So basically Satan is saying, yeah, it's easy for Job to uh, fear you and to worship you um, when you've protected him and blessed him with all this stuff. Um, so the insinuation is, is if he doesn't have that, he would curse you. So God allows Satan to take all of this stuff away. And imagine uh, being Job uh, on, on this day. It says, uh, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job, said the oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them, took them away, uh, have killed all the servants uh, with the sword, only I have escaped. While he was still speaking, another came. The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped. Then continuing in verse 17, while he was speaking, another came and said the Chaldeans formed three uh, bands and raided the camels, took them away, killed the servants. Yet I, only I have escaped. Then uh, while he was speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine with your older brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. That's a bad day. Right. So Job has lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his financial security. Uh, all of it has been taken away. It says Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshiped. Isn't that amazing? His first response is to mourn. But in his mourning, he included to worship. And it says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. You know, it's kind of become just cliche whenever bad things happen. For example, you know, just a few days ago, we had a horrific hurricane hit Florida. Um, and so many people will, will ask and question. We're nearly conditioned to say, oh, well, why would God allow this? Why would God, uh, you know, uh, allow such uh, devastation? And you know, I mean, there we can we can ask those questions um, if we truly want to find the answer. If we truly want 
to, uh, to engage with God. But so many times, I think that question, we're encouraged to ask that in order to just dismiss God. Well, clearly God can't be as good as he is if he allows this stuff to happen, right? That, that's, that's kind of the inherent um, foundation of that question of, whoa, well, God, why, why would you allow this to happen? And well, it's, it's nearly, we are, we are accusing God immediately when we do ask that. Um, now, we do need to wrestle with it. I'm not saying don't wrestle with it, but Job is going to wrestle with it. But in all of this, it says he did not sin or charge God with wrong. Okay, there's a difference between asking the question in order to truly get an answer and asking the question as a kind of passive aggressive charge against God that he has done something wrong. Um, it's important for us to think of that. And, and what a unbelievable perspective Job has. Naked I came from my mother's room. Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? That is his perspective. He has chosen that he is going to worship God. He is going to trust in God no matter what he has experienced. So then in chapter 2, so Satan is with God again, and the Lord said, Have you considered my servant uh, Job? There's none like him. He's blameless, upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. And he still, he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him uh, to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered and said, Skin for skin, yes, all the man has he will give for his life, but stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out, struck Job with painful boils from the soles of his foot to the crown of his head, and he took for himself a pot's herd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. That's basically a piece of, of pottery, you know, just a, a broken pottery, uh, scraping and itching. Um, and then his Job's wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Right? So I, this is just such an a important lesson for us, right? Uh, I'll just say this. The lesson is not whether God intentionally inflicts us with boils that, to test us, right? We, we, you can get into that, but I think if you do that, you're missing the point of this. The point of this is even whenever you are afflicted with that, right? Where are you going to put your faith, right? And Job's wife, even the one closest to him on earth, right? Basically, she's given up. She says, just curse God and die. Be done with it, right? Because again, under, uh, they're under this impression that if you do good, good things are going to happen to you. If you do bad, bad things are going to happen to you. So the kind of the understanding is, well, you're obviously doing bad things because look at all these things that have happened. So now just curse God and get it over with. Right. Uh, there's you're not you're not pulling out of this one. Right. And Job, in his wisdom, he said, you speak foolishly. Right. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? 
uh, this is so important for us to understand that if you live life in this world, which I'm assuming if you are listening to this, you do, you are going to experience adversity. Right? That is a given. There will be adversity. Doesn't matter how well you live your life, how poorly you live your life. It can be worse. You can make it worse by the choices you make, by the actions you take. But it doesn't matter if you make just about every decision perfectly, you're still going to experience adversity. And so are you going to rely on God in both the good and the times of adversity? Um, It is vital to make that decision (laughs) right now before you're in the moment of adversity. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to trust? So then we have Job's three friends. They come onto the scene. Verse 13 says, So they sat down with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that grief was very great. So they just come. These are actually decent friends, right? They, they're they here to mourn with, with Job. So they just sit there, and they just go through this time of mourning. They're not trying to give advice, anything like that at this time. Right? The friends, The friends start off being really good friends, and they kind of, miss the point <laughs> as we move forward. Uh, but, but, you know, there's, there is something, there's a lesson there of when, when we are grieving and when people are grieving, sometimes it's best just to be there and just to, to let people know that they are not alone. So Job knew that he was not alone. And so uh, chapter three, uh, read through that. Job is, while he is faithful to God, He's frustrated with the situation. He's basically saying, why was I ever even born? If this is what I was going to have to go through, I'd have just rather not been born. He goes through all that. He uh, ends chapter three, says, for my sighing comes before I eat and my groanings pour out like water for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest for trouble comes. So, Job is is not like, you know, kind of this eternal optimist and all bubbly and things like that. No, he is in deep grief and mourning, and it, it doesn't make sense to him, but yet he is not sinful in the way that he is responding to God. He's not turning his back on God, even though he doesn't understand what is happening. All right, so so grief is normal. Uh, it's important that we grieve uh, and that we acknowledge that. Uh, so so Job certainly acknowledges the the challenges that he's going through. And then we have uh, chapter four uh, with Eliphaz, uh, Job's first friend, and he starts speaking and he starts talking about God, and he kind of has this traditional understanding of of earthly wisdom that if you Uh, do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, you'll be cursed. Uh, Verse seven says, remember now whoever perished being innocent or where were the upright ever cut off? I mean, what kind of ridiculous statements are those, right? Remember now whoever perished being innocent. Of, Of course there are innocent people who perish. Right, but this is the the mindset. So they they had to justify, and we do the same thing. They had to justify if someone was innocent and they died. There was a justification. Um, well, there had to be some reason. Right? It says, or where were the upright ever cut, cut off? Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. 
but the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his anger they are consumed. The roaring of a lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken, and the old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. And so, so again, this uh, idea that those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. So basically he's telling Job, okay, what have you done? You've You've caused this. Uh, then chapter five, um, he, he gets even more specific. Um, this is, again, Eliphaz. He says, call out now. Is there anyone who will answer you? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? For wrath kills a foolish man and envy slays, slays a simple one. Verse eight, but as for me, I would seek God. And to God, I would commit my cause who does great things. Um, and then verse 17, behold, Happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, uh, for he bruises, uh, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, he shall redeem you from death and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine and you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth for you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field and the beast of the field shall be at peace uh, with you. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. You shall know that your descendants shall be many, your offspring like the grass of the earth. You shall come to the grave at a full age as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Behold, this we have searched out. It is true. Hear it and know for yourself. So he's basically telling Job, man, allow God to correct you. Allow God to punish you. Uh, Be honest about where you have failed God. Because God is a merciful God as well as a just God. So he, he's, he's saying in some ways encouraging things that, hey, God, God will lift you back up. He will see you through these difficult times. And at the same time, he's telling Job, you clearly have sinned and deserve what's happened to you. Right? So, so he's both saying some things that are true about God, but some things that are not true about God. And, and so that, that kind of sets up the conversation as we move forward. So I encourage you, uh, read Job uh, 6 through 10, uh, actually 6 through 11, uh, 6 through 11, and uh, we will look at that on Thursday. We'll see you then.